Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome to the podcast, guys. And if you've been following us through the, out the summer, the last couple of episodes have just been the three of us. Um, one has been led by Jack. The second one has been led by Long Long. And today, the podcast is led by me, Daniel, in case you didn't know. Um, the only problem is we're down a person, but never mind, we're still going to do this. Um, so very interestingly, it turns out that we touched on a very contentious point on Grand Seiko in the last episode. Uh, kind of like had a feeling at the time that it would upset a few people or, or like resonate with a few people, but we didn't quite know that much. <laughs> and many of you guys have messaged in um, politely, I might add, uh, recommending certain people to come onto the podcast to convince us on Grand Seiko or argue that that viewpoint, um, which, you know, hopefully we will do. Um, but due to the response, I thought that we could perhaps bring up other points that may be, you know, contentious that for one reason or another, we've never really expressed uh, on the podcast. Um, I mean, there's been many points we have raised, which is like, you know, the waiting list and, and buying watches for investments. But I think they are very, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the theme of contentious points, they're pretty much done. And we've done, I, I personally think we've done them to death. So I've written a few of them, all a bit random, but I thought that Lana and I would discuss it on this uh, podcast. So the first of which is original parts of a watch, originality, mm. touching on like refinishing, polished, all this kind of like all these terms, which basically mean, is it original, <laughs> right? Is that all that important? So when I saw the question, I wanted to clarify with you, like, do you mean making their own movement or something was replaced? Oh, I was specifically, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. It wasn't actually, the, no, I didn't think about that particular point, but it is part of the same question when you put it like that. Okay. I was thinking in particular, like vintage watches. Okay. Right? Something is replaced. Yeah. When something is replaced uh, or something has been polished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not the, you know, exactly, exactly the original shape. Mm -hmm. Um or, you know, a dial has been retouched to make it look, you know, more um, how it might have looked back in the day, mm. something, things like that, or, or even like wrong bracelet or, or like, mm. if you want to really get to the nitty gritty, like the buckle, the box, okay. even okay. like original, you know, is the box Paper. the one that originally came with the watch or is it yeah. period correct? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many terms about it, right? Okay. So. I want to use an analogy like with plastic surgery. So it's like, <laughs> basically I'm all for it, but then you just got to be transparent. So you just okay. have to, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like a facelift or like a touch up. <laughs> you just have to be transparent. So if you, Why'd you have to be transparent, because like, like if you know we're gonna use that, that analogy, being pulled. <laughs> like, yeah, but if you're, if you're going to use that analogy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
why would it why would a girl who has plastic surgery need to be transparent need, and who would they need to be transparent to to the buyer like, to, <laughs> who's the buyer the guy the person that wants to know like hey how did you um after 50 years not you know not have a single wrinkle so it's the same thing as the dial like how did you preserve it so you have to be very transparent like were you taking care of the watch were you putting botox in your face it's the same thing you just got to be transparent okay yeah so would you would you actually buy a watch that you believed was non-original for whatever reason what is being replaced though okay let's do, okay let's let's go through this let's say okay, okay let's say the movement's been changed but that's period correct but the movement's been changed uh i don't think so Okay, because that would also mean the numbers don't match as well. Yeah, everything. It's kind of like a, a car that has a shell and then you just put in a different engine. But I told you, I told you. I'm uh, transparent. But that's different. That's like changing someone's organs. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, I'm sorry, but that's like um, a girl that's a guy. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm trying to be careful with the LGBT like, <laughs> Q, Q and all those terms. So I was going to say there was a there would be a particular organ you wouldn't you wouldn't have a problem changing. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about hands? Hands are probably the the one that I'm most uh, understanding about. Like I would be okay with, but does are you changing changing the shape? No, period correct. Let's just say oh. period correct. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, retouch dial. That's fine as well. Everything is fine except for the movement. Ah. Because I'm not the kind of collector that is collecting um, based on a like a, a very specific time period in history that it meant a lot to me. It's interesting mm. to see how that design blends in with the what was happening during that time but i'm not like a historian but for some people i totally understand why it needs to matter for them the thing the thing is like, I've, I've heard like horror stories where a collector may have you know amassed you know a huge amount of watches mm-hmm. let's just for argument's say let's say he's got a lot of vintage rolex okay and you know it, it comes to pass and they now have to deal with his his estate. Okay. And then the watches get kind of authenticated and uh, appraised uh-huh. and valued. And they find that, you know, actually a lot of this stuff was not original. But he was paying like original prices. Yeah. Mm. At the end of the day, when you buy something original, how do you... You don't really know, do you? Because... You, you're trying to let's say go from a, a trusted source but you never really know and then also whoever you show the watch to they they will 100% never know unless they're like the auction house but even like I think am I right in saying let's say like like uh like vintage Rolex isn't it now where everything is okay if as long as it's period correct yeah an original from that period and goes together, but they could never tell you that it's exactly the original watch. So where, I mean, where is this 
whole I think originally <laughs> sorry about that mm-hmm. like previously when there was value and you could like gain more by saying something was original all the rage was original now we're at a stage where you can't even ascertain if something's original <laughs> yeah it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh shit we kind of like shot ourselves in the foot yeah and if you okay so basically like this example that you used with the person passing right yeah if this was my say my grandpa right yeah would I feel really really bad not really because at the end of the day you're like look this person obviously paid tons of money for a feeling or bragging yeah. rights or whatever yeah. right it would yeah. never equate to the actual amount it costs to make that watch like it's yeah. illogical yeah. like right yeah so, agree yeah if he lived a life where he felt like he paid a sum that made him feel something then okay good yeah i agree i'm with yeah. you on that one yeah. because yeah. i think when you ever look at a manufacturer price for a watch right and what that watch gave you like in a psychological way mm-hmm. yeah it is it, it you know it just doesn't make a lot of sense it only makes sense to the person that that the thing you know the main thing is though when he was alive he believed it <laughs> Yeah. No, no, but yeah. that is it, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. he believed yeah. that yeah. it was original. So he he died a happy man, you know, yeah. knowing that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Be interesting to see what the audience thinks of that. Like, I just, I, I, I personally think, yeah, just round that up. Um, my Movado, mm. yeah, I thought was original. But I've, I've since been told, yeah, by somebody that the dial was retouched. Mm-hmm. But then I asked, like, how did they know? And they couldn't really give me a coherent answer. You know what I mean? So yeah. I hate that. You've put the question mark <laughs> in my head now. Yeah. Okay, and then, anno- like, what annoys you more? Someone that says, I can't, I don't really know, but I know. Or somebody that says, <laughs> I know for a fact, but I can't tell you who told me. <laughs> uh i think like when i hear the first one i think they're bsing i think uh, you know you don't think i know but i can't tell you well you don't know then yeah okay and then i know for a fact but i can't tell you why it's like well tell me the facts then. (laughs) okay but what about the the ones that say hey i heard this but i can't tell you who told me so you can never gauge whether it's valid um i always put that down to hearsay Like i don't put okay. a lot of value okay. onto that because there's there's too many uh like chinese whispers in okay. the watch industry mm. some you can prove and then some um you can't and then some uh, have you ever have you had that ever had that situation right long where mm. somebody's got this watch and you tell them a fact about it that they didn't know but it wasn't a good fact <laughs> <laughs> It's a negative fact, but it's, you know, it's quite critical to the watch. Yeah. And you know that it's going to make them feel like not that great. I remember the situation, actually. I know I'm going to be specific. I think the audience will like this. I felt a little bit like that with the uh, Cartier that you purchased. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. Monopusher Tort. So, you know, you were into that watch, right? Yeah. you, you've been researching it and you've done oh, your research. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then 
And then, you know, the story with that watch goes so deep yeah, yeah. in the fact yeah. that um, if you look at all the marketing material, yeah. so for everybody, this is the vintage CPCP Cartier Taut Monopusher uh, chronograph that Long Long has, right? One of the selling points of that watch is that it's CPCP, also that the movement uh, was originally designed by three independent watchmakers, Vianney Halter, um, Dennis Falagele of Debuthune and um, FPJ, Francois Bourgeon, right? When they ran a movement making company. And this was way before they um, set up their own independent houses. Mm. Now, that's the marketing material. And it sounds incredibly romantic that you have a piece that, you know, was made before all these well, kind of legendary independent mm. watchmakers became famous. And it's with an established band called Cartier. And it's in a line that is like, I don't know, a secret, you know, with, mm. within like connoisseurs at a CPCP, you know, people don't, everybody doesn't know what a CPCP is. But if you look at the details, you can. And um, as it transpires, yeah, it seems that actually uh, Vienni was probably not part really of the company at the time when the... Uh, movement was being developed and that that movement uh you know was actually incorporated in you know later things such as you know db's own chronograph when he launched it and then got later purchased the movement rights got purchased and then went into like two lesser brands i can't remember like we're talking like quite low-end brands aren't we Mm. Do you remember which brands they were? They were like, I couldn't, but I remember. You know when you know how was I was it Bukhara? I was it Bukhara? Someone's like that. Mm. It's a brand like that. No. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember, but I do remember thinking, you know how the mind likes to make uh, connections. Like you need yeah. everything to be logical and needs to be explained. And then if you look at the watch, you'll be like, oh, okay, I see these like the there's these blue track markers and then there's these blue index points and then you try and think to yourself okay I can see the Depothune inspiration here and then you're trying to be like I can see them working on it but this is all just stuff that I decided myself there yeah, are no yeah, facts yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember now that movement was bought by a Jap- I think it was by Citizen remember okay, okay. yeah it ended okay. up being bought by Citizen and then it yeah. got moved into two different lines yeah. that so the movement that everybody, well, I don't know if it makes a difference, but it kind of makes it less exclusive in my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember you were purchasing it and you you, you still ended up purchasing it. But mm-hmm. I remember thinking, fuck, do I tell her this? Yeah, because I was looking into it and then I was like, she's not going to like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I like, think, I kind of got to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. But yeah, it's... So- Okay, not I surprisingly wasn't disappointed, but then I was like, oh, it's nice to actually know the truth. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that rounds up number one. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to number two, right? So we always talk yeah. about, you know, if you had X amount of money, which watch would you get and all this kind of stuff. And we say, you know, which Rolex would you wear, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask a different question. Which is the worst Rolex in the current lineup? Mm. you go first yeah it's because you're eating your face out mm, mm. 
I, yeah, it's interesting because I wrote that question and yet I don't have a, okay, well, I'll go first then. I would say Cellini came in my mind and I can hear Chester shouting at the fucking like screen already. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell, what Cellini's mm-hmm. beautiful, you know, moon phase, mm-hmm. all this kind of shit. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I, since Rolex is literally like the sports watch king, mm-hmm. you know, I find it a bit of a weird model to have in the dress line. Yeah, I know you have a dress line, but since you're so strong and who wants to get, I mean, who wants to get a Cellini as their first Rolex? I don't know. Maybe there are. Yeah. But it just seems like. But a Cellini is um, Chester's first Rolex. Is it? Oh, shit. <laughs> is it? Is that a joke or is that true? No, I'm not joking. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Mm. Yeah, we know exactly what kind of person by the Cellini. Um, so I think that's kind of a bit weird for me. Mm. Um, especially, I, I don't know. I think with the Cellini, it's still like closed case back, right? So I think with a, a dress watch, you kind of still want to have. Well, you want to get away from the tool watch feeling, not just have the face looking like a dress watch. Okay, um, I have chosen Eric King. If you just Google like 2022 Eric King, okay, yeah. and then you Google um, 1958 Eric King, just okay. a couple difference. I have no idea how the new one has evolved to look like this. But basically, like, I just think I just think the dial is just weird. It's not balanced. It's a bunch of stuff being squeezed in there. So I this can't... is the new, the new yeah. King, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I remember looking at this originally. Where is this? Huh? With every watch, you can kind of imagine. Okay, I can see the end customer, but with this one, I'm just like, who, <laughs> who would wear this? There are certain Rolex models which I think, like, I look at them and I think. Okay, you let's say uh, you meet somebody that actually bought it. Mm-hmm. You think, why did you get that and not that Rolex model? You know what I mean? Like, why did you almost mm-hmm. quote unquote settle for this when mm-hmm. you could have got that? <laughs> you know? I don't know. Have you did seen get- the date just like the, the newer date just? A lot of them with the weird, funky kind of um, patterns. Like a lot of the female yeah, ones yeah, with like flowers yeah, on them. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. There's one with like this like leaf on it. Like yeah, uh, yeah like safari leaf. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's getting a bit odd. It's like okay, I understand the shape of the watch is nice, but there's a limit to what kind of like, like quote unquote like wallpaper you can put on the dial, right? Yeah, it's funny of- you think that because I think that as well, like yeah. wallpaper. Yeah. Um, but do you think that's also a, like maybe me and you are out of touch of the times that I agree. You know, like they are more what yeah, which like is more even more accessorizing and you know, yeah. yeah. Like for the newer generation, yeah, they care about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I actually think maybe I'm just not their customer, even though I'm still trying really hard to get one. <laughs> yeah, because if you look at like, uh, are you are you trying hard to get Rolex right now? I went yesterday again. I, okay, I'm just putting this out. I swear, there. every episode, yeah. Yeah, but now every I'm episode before, you've gone yeah. to some watch watch stores. Like, is that your full time profession? Like eating pepperami and uh, <laughs> like going on to podcasts and then like go to all these watch stores. 
No, for real, no. I'm trying. I know you're trying to hit a 60 kg barrier. Yeah. <laughs> like, but come on. <laughs> I really went again yesterday because, one, I think I didn't give Rolex enough credit for like how classy it can actually look, right? So I've always been like, oh my God, a waiter has it, a driver has it, everyone has one. Then I was like, have I actually spent time going on the website? Have I actually even expressed deeply, like, what am I looking for? So yesterday, again, before tennis, like with my tennis racket and tennis stuff, I went in and um, this, okay, I have to say, because this is so messed up, like even me explaining this, I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Um, Usually before tennis, I'm, I will swap out my watch and then I'll put on the Apple watch. And then I'll walk to my tennis place, which is close to Causeway. And then I wanted to have a snack. So I hadn't changed yet. And I was wearing the world time. And then when I went in, the first few seconds was the same. Like, just ignored me. And then my immediate reaction when they ignored me is to quickly go to the right side and then maybe make a round from the right to the left side. And then a bunch of the people, I, I, I it kind of like, you know, when the side from the side of your eyes, you recognize, oh, you, someone saw the watch kind of feeling. And then they came. And then immediately one of the guys said, how can I help you? So I said, oh, actually I've been coming in here quite a lot recently. And um, I think I actually know for once like what I want. So do you mind if I just kind of like walk through and then can I put my bags down? Cause I had two bags and it was super heavy. So he's like, yeah, please sit down. So I was already like, oh my God, I made it down to the the table in the seat. So I was so happy, right? And then he took out the iPad and I was like, look, I've been watching Wimbledon and obviously like following like Roger Federer, whatever. And I know I'm not looking for the Sapphire Daytonas. I'm not looking for that. Like, I just want a plain Wimbledon that I can wear from morning to night and wear to tennis. And then after tennis, wear to dinner. Um. And I was very specific. And I said, because no, I what's have, a plain Wimbledon? It's um okay, they, they come in several sizes, but there's a two-tone one, which has like um the the main thing is that the font is a shade of green that when you see it, you're just like, okay, Wimbledon. Ah, is yeah. the Wimbledon green? Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's like uh the dial's gray, dark gray, and then the font is green. And it's just okay. It's just very like this. Uh, is it, this is a Daytona, is it? Or what is no, that? it's not. It's just a Datejust. Oh. Yeah. And it's probably one of the last ones I would choose. But then just over time, it just grew on me. Just thinking about, okay, in the past few months, like what is my lifestyle? Do I wear dress watches? And keep thinking about this kind of stuff. So I said, okay, you know what? Um, I tried the bigger size in Singapore. And because they can't take anything out of the display. So I told him, I know you can't take it out anyways, but I'm just going to bank on, it should look good on me, the size. So please, like, I would love to be put on the waiting list. And then we went on the website and he went through the website with me in terms of like how you can play with the bezel and what what are the options. And then I was like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. I'm never going to hear from them again. Yeah. So, um, when I got to tennis, I got a WhatsApp and he's like, I'm blah, blah, blah. Like I just served you. And I was like, whoa, yes. Like I was super happy. Um, and then I was like, okay, now I just have to start waiting. 
and then I'm just going to keep going in for no yeah. reason. And I don't well, know. You're going for the coffee. Nah, they don't serve anything in Hong Kong now. They serve water that's in a, like, that's covered in a cup. I mean, with the kind of like, they give you a paper cup and it's covered. Oh. But anyways, I just want to know, like, I'm going to try my maximum and just see what the experience is like. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like the one I'm asking for is, it's definitely not a hot model because my size is smaller as well. So it would actually fall into the female category if they have a ladies category, which they do. Yeah, this, this, there's part of me still that wants to get a, uh, well, I, I still love like, oh, I'd love to get like a Comex oh, Submariner. That's- yeah 5513 5514 yeah. something like that right and oh. love to have that uh and maybe yeah like a vintage daytona you mm-hmm. know jack jack had a vintage daytona and she 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 lent it to me mm. you know and i think it was a 6239 or 6241 yeah. yeah and then i i love that thing man I love yeah Everything. Yeah, it just yeah. it works for everything, yeah. but it has this like class about it that that is just untouchable, you know, that you get with a vintage watch and oh, which honestly, dress up, dress down, sports, you mm. know, uh, what's it called, street fashion, yeah, eh, everything. You're done. You're done. Yeah, yeah, you're done. Like, like we're not saying I'm not saying it like yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it works in every situation. Yeah. I'm saying it kills it in every. Yeah. Yeah. situation right like it doesn't just like pass it actually yeah it doesn't just oh, i can make yeah, this work it, it, it like it elevates yeah. insanely so one of those i think if i saw someone wear it you're it's kind of like for a few seconds you're like is it like is it that and then you're like whoa it is yeah and then another thing is like yeah. when you actually you see one yeah i'm sure you go to auction right you go yeah. to preview and you see one and you you hold it right yeah and you think I think everybody must feel this. You think this thing is like a quarter of a million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so flimsy, like the bracelets, hollowed links and all this kind of stuff feels like almost like toy, like plasticky. Yeah. I think Eric Koo mentioned it in one of his podcasts, how he brings a client a watch, right. And he, he tells them and then like a lot of them are like shocked when they actually see yeah. it, that this yeah. thing is like, yeah, not like Fort Knox, you know, like mm-hmm. one of the heaviest gold or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is when you wear that, like when you hold it in your hand, it still doesn't actually hit you until you actually wear it day mm-hmm. in for like, I think after a day you realize, oh my God, this is, you get it. You mm-hmm. actually get it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you see why it is worth what it is. Mm-hmm. You're not, not like material. Yeah. Totally stainless steel. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like bake light bezels and shit, mm-hmm. but it's that combination coming together is kind of yeah, priceless. Yeah. Right. So that's uh, question two, quite an interesting conversation, actually. Mm. Uh, number three, which brand to you is the most confusing? I've got my answer. <laughs> Do you too. have your answer? Yeah. Oh, you've got your answer. Okay, go on. But I felt kind of bad saying this, but I was like, not going to lie. I have to say it was Parmig- Parmigiani for a long time and maybe until okay. now. Until it, I kind of felt a bit more like 
I guess, less confused after we did the interview with Guido, right, and the team. Um, but still, for a long time, I was like, don't understand the pricing. Don't understand who you're targeting. And actually, when I did understand who you're targeting, I was also like, but your marketing's going the other direction. So I was a bit confused. Yeah. But okay. they're making some great stuff now. So, yeah. I think that design language, right, is kind of, it, for me, when I see that design language, it's more, I, uh, not unique, but kind of, kind of is a bit Parmigiani. You see it and you think that's Parmigiani, right? Without seeing the logo. Do you get that or not? Okay. Can I use it? God, I hate using it. How many pepperamis have you had? No, one. This is the same one. Okay. Okay. You know, Jaguar car. Yeah. When you see one, you have nothing really bad to say, right? Like, okay. Solid car. Like, um dependable like a little bit luxurious like all the good things there's nothing really bad you can say but yeah. are you dying to have one <laughs> no yeah so it's the same thing yeah yeah okay. i think people that own a jaguar car are gonna there hate is that no 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 there is that thing <laughs> with the heritage of jaguar the history of jaguar right yeah. um like when you look at the e-type and stuff like that there is that strong british theme with Jaguar even though I don't even believe it's like British anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, uh, my my the two brands I had definitely one brand but just as you were saying it like there's another brand that popped into my head but the first one I will say is Ulysses Nardin yeah mm-hmm. I don't get it but I don't get it because you've got like the freak which I think is great like I think the original freak I would you know maybe one day love to have that it's very steampunky mm-hmm. uh the carousel movement the way mm-hmm. it's really really unique design even you know how you wind the watch you know i think it's quite wearable too um but then you've got like i mean I don't know how, originally that retailed for something really crazy mm-hmm. and then you've got really really affordable uh ulysses nardin watches yeah that you couldn't differentiate, but I personally couldn't differentiate between, yeah, watches around that price point. Like, there's no design in it where I think this is Ulysses Nardin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why would I buy this watch? Am I just buying this watch because it says Ulysses Nardin, or well, why don't I buy another watch? I mean, <laughs> like an IWC, you know, which is a very, very clear character. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how you can service like such a wide price range of products okay so maybe they thought that too and then they went and made this um freak x mm. or freak vision or something yeah? yeah yeah that was like i think it was like 20k or something us mm-hmm. it's really really affordable yeah. and i'm just like thinking well yeah i know you're saying it's <laughs> no i'm laughing because <laughs> You just shout on your shout on your purchases that spent a crap ton on on the freak, yeah, yeah. And so to justify, it, you say, "Nah, it's a cheaper version with things." But then, how does the person that buys the freak vision feel? Because it's a cheaper, shittier version, isn't it? So, like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but wait, this you know, you haven't got the real thing, yeah. And so, do you think oh, I feel good because I uh, got a sub? 
standard one, you know? But this was once run by the CEO that was running two other brands at the same time, right? Yeah, so this is the other brand. I think the other brand is Girard yeah. Perigo, which is so, also a brand I don't get. Yeah, so... What do you get from Girard Perigo? Do you actually understand it? Do you even know what they do? No, I can see the logo <laughs> in my head. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so bad saying this, but I just want to say, I feel like the CEO was overwhelmed <laughs> with a lot of work. Yeah, well, I think uh, they're not even in the same kind of, um, when you have a CEO, and I think Caring Group were trying to, uh, I, I've heard, I've heard mm-hmm. that they were trying to offload both those brands. Um, <sighs> and they, they're, they're kind of bleeding money. I might be completely wrong on that, but um, Giro Perigo, even as a brand, you, I mean, I would feel it's different to Ulysses Nardin. You've got one guy trying to run two brands, totally different. I mean, maybe that's why, to me, they're the most confusing brands, you know, I don't get it. <laughs> okay, then that's a good answer then. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad if you guys own one. I think back in the day, Giro Perigo did have a clear fan base. Need- don't try and like cover your ass like you already said what you said right so but we do welcome people who want to argue with us (laughs) oh yeah 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 please uh not argue with me but educate me on why because you know if i spend time on educating myself it's going to be hours online looking at um web pages and it would be so much better just to get an unfiltered collector opinion on why I mean, if you bought a Gerard Perigo, why mm. did you buy one? Mm. Yeah. You know, what made you go for it? Mm. And the Ulysses Nardin. Have, have you ever seen a person wear a Ulysses Nardin that isn't the freak? No. Yeah. So so who buys them? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never seen. Oh, really, really trying to find hard. You know, I remember I went to a Ulysses Nardin event and... The, the the products they gave out were just there was no consistency i just couldn't see like <laughs> no i couldn't see the consistency in what you can't just bring out oh this is a tourbillon this is a carousel this is a chronograph mm-hmm. yeah it's like what's the theme because like that all of those exist in the watch industry anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right number four kind of leads on one brand that uh, seems to have a strong following but you just don't get it. Like, not that you hate on it, mm. not that it's like confusing to you. Um, a bit like the Grand Seiko thing where you recognize that might be there's something in it for certain yeah. people, but you yourself, no matter what, yeah. you just don't seem to get it. Yeah, that's easy. Panerai. For me. Yeah. I just don't get it. Even when it was at it. Have you ever got it? No, I was really close to getting one. Even when it was at its peak, which which I would say around 2011, 2010, it was super cool, right? I just thought, like, why? <laughs> why is it cool? <laughs> like, story doesn't resonate with me. Shape, design, everything about it doesn't resonate with me at all. Did you try one on? Yeah, always, since back then till now. And- did it, did and I look, tried from last year. Uh, did it look good? No. Not oh, so you keep giving it chances. 
No, because the second time they opened uh, the biggest boutique in Hong Kong and they made, they did such a good job. Like the boutique's amazing. Like there's a whole room just filled with straps and then you can just slide the watch across oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, every yeah, strap. Yeah. They have a lounge for private events, just everything to experience the event. I was just like, they're amazing. Like their marketing team is amazing, but how is it related to the watch? Yeah. I can't, un, like, the best way for me to explain a Panerai in Hong Kong, not in other countries, right, is it's a luxury good that uh, shows that you are a bit different from the rest of the crowd. So you didn't get a Rolex. So you got a, a not, well, so you got a Panerai. Yeah. 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 And sometimes I think to myself, okay, try and think, um, I mean, generally, I don't really shop for bags, right? So I haven't, I've lost track of how expensive bags have become. But I would say like when we were younger, they were, when I was like 18, bags were like 3,000 USD. And now they're starting about 5,000 onwards to easily 8,000, 10,000. And a Panerai is about 7,000. So I... I'll, like I always study the way girls dress in Hong Kong and I'll think, okay, everything's branded head to toe. So I'll look at the watch, okay, Panerai. And then I'll think, okay, that budget that would have gone to a bag, you spent it on a watch. Okay, cool. But then is this a watch you actually really like or it's the right thing to buy under the 10K range? Because you can only choose from Cartier, Rolex, which you can no longer buy, and Panerai that most of the girls can recognize here. So it just put me more off the brand. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. But do you think that, do you get the feeling that Panerai has, has somehow managed to become like a Hublot in a way, in, in collectors' minds? Because it, it was really, really hot. And now I think... Because Hublot has a very specific... I mean, we have a question about Hublot, right? But Hublot yeah. has a very specific... Um, like there's a bunch of haters out there who really hate Hublot for a very legitimate reason. But Panerai is just, you, the story doesn't resonate with people. And it resonates with a certain type of person that lives in a certain geographic region. But definitely it doesn't even, it doesn't- So how do you understand the story of Panerai? Uh, I think military, Italian military. Yeah. And then, um, so I can imagine a lot of the older generation, maybe Italians that live in the US, but a very strong community, like a Panaristis, right? And then um, there's also a lot of farms I read with really funny stories where it's like, they are like, they have this culture where the AD isn't very nice to them, but they still suck it up and they still buy what the AD wants them to buy. But the AD is very transparent. Like you buy this and you get this limited edition, but they are the type of people who are like, oh, okay, sure. So they have a bit of like, money and they are willing to spend but they are just like um very set on i'm gonna keep collecting this brand so i wouldn't say very 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 sophisticated in terms of like how far they have looked into studying different brands and watches but there's nothing actually aesthetically really bad i mean they have never been known for like movements right so but there, there was some really funny stuff like this guy who i read in a forum he brought the watch in for repair and the dial says automatic so he tells them like hey this automatic watch needs repair 
like repairing blah 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 and then they opened it up and it was a quartz and then he was like why does the dial say automatic but then after that the guy still stayed loyal to the brand so that says a lot about what kind of customers they have yeah there's definitely this is i think that's a really good um answer because the, the question specifically was about having a strong following yeah mm -hmm. so i think the question really is it's not which brand you hate, you know, it's more like you respect, there is a respect there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you just like, yeah, don't get it. You like know, you, this is, this is kind of a bad example, but it's and like- you, And you also went through that trying to like it as well, right? Yeah. I did, but I also never really understood, uh, there was, uh, the boutique is still there in Singapore, but basically, uh, I looked at the ones on the outside and I was like, okay, whatever. They all look the same to me. The difference is very little. So they were like, okay, we have a limited edition one, but you can't take photos, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, cool. Went to the back of the store to look at it. And then when they took it out in my head, I was like, looks the same, <laughs> but I didn't say anything. So I can't really understand it at all. Yeah. I think, um, I've seen the, th the thing with Panerai is I, I kind of really, really get what you mean. Yeah. Um, when I see people in Hong Kong, let's say, yeah. you know, in, in the finance industry and yeah. <laughs> sorry, finance mm -hmm. people, but you know how they're all suited and then they wear this Panerai and it just doesn't fit the cuff. Like, I just think it's mm -hmm. like, so stands out like, uh, I was going to say like acne, but <laughs> no but it does it just is so vulgar like because it's so unrefined yeah um, you almost feel the watch is the suit is struggling to keep the watch on there like, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it slides effortlessly or anything but then I remember the most pronounced feeling I had of seeing a Panerai was when there was a woman who was fairly attractive you know mm -hmm. I think she was in more of a you know more on the mature side but still really classy. Yeah. I saw her at a restaurant and she had a Panerai, clearly oversized yeah. uh, on her wrist, just a plain luminol. And I thought, wow, that actually looks pretty cool. Like pretty cool on you. You know, I thought, <laughs> okay, first of all, you're wearing a, like a Panerai, you know, not a Rolex yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And you actually look really good in it. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, finish your point. No, 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 I just, I, okay. it's one of those where I respect that in certain things, it looks good, but I don't think I could put it off. Okay. Like, I put it, I've tried it on as well. And I just think one thing I also don't get is yeah. the simple, that, that style is so simple, right? I'll tell you what the, what I think the problem is, because you have been very exposed to Hong Kong people as well. So you understand what I'm saying. If today we were looking at the UK or the US, let's use the UK since we've both been there, right? Um, you see very specific types of people. You see some hippies, you see some nerds, whatever. You can categorize all these people. With every type of group, you can attach an image and a type of watch that you would imagine them wearing. The problem with Panerai being unattractive to me, right, is that I can't identify a single person that can go with this watch and then uh, to top it off then you have this huge category of people in hong kong which either the culture or just 
the lack of culture, like you don't see a personality. So you can never categorize these people other than saying probably in finance. All the people that you see like crossing the road, like dressed up in a shirt, pants, whatever. And they all seem to be wearing Panerai. So you get even more angry at the brand. <laughs> like, do you get that though? Do you, do you see what I see? Do you agree with that? Do you think, oh, it's kind of, do you see that image I, I see? I see it a lot. I see it a lot. I find it disappointing because I always think, okay, Harbor City is where all the Chinese shoppers shop. So you get a good mix of Chinese people and Hong Kong people. And then why is it that Chinese people are so distinct? Not in a good or bad way, but you can tell, okay, she um, she's from China, this girl's from Hong Kong. And uh, in a good way, you can say that, hey, they have a very specific way of dressing and they have a certain type of personality. I can categorize these people. So I find them interesting. Even if you br- wear too much branded clothes, but that's still a certain type of look, but at least you, you fall into a category and that makes me find you interesting. But if you are just like, um, I guess like not like kind of blend into the crowd and then you wear a Panerai, I'm just like, this is why I hate the brand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now a bunch of Panerai people are going to hate us. <laughs> well, no, I think, you know, I think I'll tell you what, though, you know, people can hate. Yeah. Whatever. But how many people are willing to actually go on record and say this? say what you would normally say off the record to be honest you know like i think honesty is uh it should be valued here okay um my answer is i'm gonna get more hate than you no they're they're definitely i mean i'm i don't want to say everyone's thinking the same thing right but try and if somebody that lives in Hong Kong that listens to our podcast can understand what I'm saying, that when you're standing at the traffic light and you look around trying to like spot cool watches, right? How many times have you thought, oh my God, look. I, I definitely have like maybe once a day be like, hey, cool, Daytona there or like this there, blah, 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 blah. But I've never really had like heart stopping moments. I mean, at the most, they are probably my friends. <laughs> that i'm like whoa but like yeah okay yeah i would say the brand that um has a strong following that i just can't seem to fall in love with is moza you know i i actually thought about that but then i thought about why then i thought nah you just got it wrong because it's the display counter in hong kong it's not the brand itself that's you is it yeah, because if you actually counter counts for so much. Yeah, because they are because you have to always remember first impressions count. When is the first exposure you have to the brand? And the brand has consistently been so cool, so out of the box, and so like rebellious. But what was my first encounter with Moser? Oh, Oriental second floor in the corner. And uh, oh, yeah, and the tagline like uh, I can't even remember the tagline. Very, very rare. Yeah, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I started, I understand we had that interview with uh, Edouard, right? Mm-hmm. And I can see, you, can you remember that interview? He was very yeah. almost clinical with that brand on what he needed to do to differentiate. I remember him saying there was a point where you take a Moser yeah. and you put it onto a like tray and you know you put it next to a Patek and nothing. And everyone, nine times out of 10, or yeah. actually I think he said 10 times out of 10, yeah. no one's going to pick the Moser, they're going to go for Patek. 
because of how classically designed they were. Yeah. I actually like that there was an alternative to like, I mean, in some ways, that's the success of FPJ. The fact that there was an alternative in that price range, slight different on this uh, very clear mm -hmm. uh, design language that wasn't a Patek because mm -hmm. there became, it was almost like Patek became too mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. And people wanted to define their taste in different other ways. I really like the old uh, Moses, you know, I, yeah, I could almost categorize them at the time, how I saw FBJ before they got really, really hot. Um, mm -hmm. My friend bought a couple. I thought they were so, the movements, everything, the finishing yeah. was really, really there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, it was really, really good. And then they went to all these colored dials. Yeah. And then I was, and I went for this whole minimalistic design and that didn't speak to me yeah. personally. But then mm -hmm. I can, you know, like part of that brand is why they have such a strong following because of how they communicate, right? Yeah. So whatever they are communicating and they're not trying to communicate to everybody, but the, the, those that they successfully do, they create a strong attachment. Yeah. You know, people get their humor, people yeah. get exactly what they're trying to do. Um, people buy into yeah. the dials and you know we touched on this in the episode with Edward how you know you can see a Moser across the room and you know it's a Moser yeah yeah I think that's the success of the brand yeah um, I think he's right you know if you went for the classic one you think you wouldn't know what it was yeah you, know, you might mistake it even for like a Langer or something you know mm -hmm. um, so so yeah that's a brand that I've repeatedly tried to fall in love i mean i'm not giving up there yeah. is one piece that I, I really like is the perpetual endeavor oh yeah i love how it's like hidden in the back yes that's really clever yeah because what, the what i love about that which is kind yeah. of like different to the yeah. colored things is how discreet such a if you look at ap perpetual and you look at their perpetual it's totally different design right yeah. i love the discreetness how people can miss it the first time around and yeah. then see it and think, oh my God, that's a perpetual. And then they're trying to figure out how is that a perpetual? How does it work? Yeah. And the simplicity of how it works. And at the same time, how easy it is to work out the day and the day and everything and the yeah. month is just, yeah, I love that design. And it's a 38, right? And if you go for a double um, hairspring, you know, super accurate as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot I love about that watch. Yeah, mm. a lot I love. And yes, like thickness, perfect. Mm. But it's not, it's not their like Juda. It's not yeah. what they're, you know, famous for. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Right. Wow. This is taking longer than I thought. But number five. When was the last time, Long Long? You said that's a really nice watch. Oh, that's a nice watch. That's a great watch. Good taste. Uh, <laughs> to a fellow watch lover at a gathering, but actually you were lying. And um you can't say Angus because we all know, you know, <laughs> you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> honestly, never. I can't do it. I, I can stay silent. <laughs> I can stay silent for a long time and just hope like someone will say something. But usually just the, you know how people are, are uncomfortable with like silence, like silent moments. Yeah. The person will try and fill in the gaps for me. But then... Never, I just can't. Or I'll just think, uh, okay, not my thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
what about you uh i remember specifically so it was initial reaction my friend um he bought a jacquet joie okay yeah yeah and so he bought that and it was a black dial dress watch okay and i was thinking like i think i wasn't so much like that's a really nice watch and then was lying mm -hmm. it just confused you know oh you know it wasn't like he had tons of watches and i thought why did you go for this watch you know yeah i just thought why and then he went on to tell me why and i kind of got it well i did get it okay but aesthetically kind of, it's not bad looking right oh i think it was way too big oh okay way too big it was a black a black enamel dial dress watch um you know black is going to give you that space yeah plus i think the watch was wide anyway minimalistic and it just wore so big but that particular friend of mine um he likes big watches right watches that i think you know where he wears i think they're too big for him but he likes that and another <laughs> thing was he went on to explain that it's an enamel dial mm -hmm. and that the price he got it at i think he did get it like firsthand Mm -hmm. if you were to pay um for another brand for enamel dial it wouldn't have you know it wouldn't you just wouldn't be able to get it at this price mm -hmm. so he wasn't so much looking at the brand but he was looking at what it was the enamel dial basically that that got him mm -hmm. yeah yeah all but right then now you know you've got like brands like anordain and all these other brands producing enamel dials that are way cheaper than what he paid you know he wanted a super big one yeah oh, they aren't small are they they're not but i i'm thinking he wants super big <laughs> i don't know okay so next question this was one of yours mm. long long when was the last time you didn't know what to comment on someone's ig post they tagged you in and just put a bunch of emojis okay so i think i read that so badly so I'm yeah. going to say that again. So the question is, when was the last time you were tagged in someone's IG's post and then didn't know what to comment despite being tagged and therefore posted just a bunch of emojis? <laughs> Commented right. a bunch of emojis. I have a feeling yeah. this happens a lot to you. Does it happen to a lot to you? If it's a friend, right? like a friend I actually meet or a friend I actually would call my friend, I won't comment straight away because I know they put in energy. So I want to read the post properly and study the picture and think about like under what setting was this friend taking this picture or something. Yeah. But other than that, like I do the emoji thing a lot <laughs> because I need to understand, like most of the time when people tag me and the ones that I have zero interaction with, I'm also a bit confused because they're not related to me whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. Do you think, because um, first of all, if I get tagged to somebody I don't know, I don't, I don't respond. Mm. Yeah. I don't give emojis or anything. I just don't bother. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't know. Get, I don't get it. If you want to talk to me, talk to me. Yeah. Like tag me, but yeah, I mean, 
yeah i don't get it some some listeners tag me on certain things that we've spoken on certain podcasts. Yeah, that i appreciate that yeah, I, that i appreciate yeah and i will i will reply i mean i try to reply yeah yeah um i will say also to the listeners like look we talk a lot of shit <laughs> like and i can't always remember everything i said yeah on the podcast I'm sure you guys obviously think, oh, I see this. And I think of Daniel because he said this. But honestly, I would have forgotten. So until unless I need some reminding sometimes. <laughs> but don't you think that that happens to you, Long Long, because people just want your attention because they want to hit on you, basically? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. This, this next question ties into kind of what we talked about before, right? But and I'm sure... Basically, I'm sure my good friend Angus at Watch Mad Mac won't mind me saying that um, after listening to our last episode, he commended me on my purchase decision on um, owning a Reverso. But, you know, a Reverso is uh, a model that is so iconic that everybody knows about. Yeah. And that you would have also known about. But what kept you away from it for so long, long, long? Mm. I know you put an order in. But it's, do you know what I mean? Like, you knew about it. We all knew about it. I think it's, um, I think it's also because it fall, uh, it fell into the category last time of um, a lot of my female friends buying one on bracelet because it was the next option after you bought Cartier's, then you bought either Vacheron or JLC. Um, so it always went like if I studied the people around me, it always went um, Chanel, Cartier, JLC, Vacheron. That was the progression for girls. So when I came here, I saw a lot of like business people wearing uh, reverso. So I was always like, mm, mm, why? <laughs> I mean, aesthetically, it's easy to explain. But I also thought mm, just too feminine and not my thing. And only until recently, I thought, mm, one, I'm really starting to like smaller things. And then two, there's something really elegant about it that maybe I can't pull off, but I have also thought about something else that happened recently. Like you and me once got into a semi-argument with another friend who we can't name, but it was face-to-face. And that person is quite, I would say quite a experienced collector. And he collects in the way that he actually gets the watch and wears it for a bit. If he doesn't like it, then he gets rid of it. If he likes it, then he keeps it. And then me and you were arguing that, nah, I would rather want to be sure about it before I purchase it. But he's saying that, no, you have to own it, experience it, then know whether you like it. And I guess because I've kind of felt like I've lost some kind of spark with like collecting in the past two years, I'm starting to find other ways to make this thing fun for me. So one is like, I guess, visiting boutiques randomly, the ones that I know have <laughs> zero chance. And then two, thinking to myself, hey, you know what? Let me just maybe try and be a bit um, like erratic with how I collect. Like try something that's not my style or try something and see if I don't like it, then I can still get rid of it. It's not the end of the world. But stopping so like difficult with having all these rules with how you should enjoy this hobby so i think with that i thought maybe look let me look at this brand but i, I can tell you, you buy a nomos recently yeah 
So, um, but that was also the same thing. It also came down to a lot of like, oh, like, what am I wearing a lot? Like, without having to think. And with actually being like, because I I realize now I've never honestly been afraid of wearing watches in Hong Kong. Never. I think at one point maximum it was one month when there was a few stories in Hong Kong about people uh, at MTR stealing watches. That was the only time I was a little bit scared, but I have never been scared. Um, But nowadays I realize, oh, I'm getting scratches like quite badly from digging my hands into the tennis bag to look for things, my keys and lots of things. And then I started to think, okay, maybe it's time to just change what I'm buying. Everything that I'm have been naming recently in the past few months are things which are not even things that are close to my grill at all. And they're not like any of the perpetual calendar paddocks or anything I want. It's just trying to be practical. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. That is a very big departure of your uh, psychology of collecting when I first met you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm somewhat disappointed, but I'm also like, um, what's the worst case scenario? Maybe in two years, I download everything and start from scratch again, because I've definitely, I definitely know I've lost that kind of excitement. I've, I enjoyed the hobby a lot more when I was one less public and one when I participated in a very silent way, like always combing through the websites, like looking at other people's Instagrams, searching for things myself. And the more things are like pushed in my face, like, um, for example, let's say we use JLC. They do a lot of marketing and they do such a good job. Right. But the more something is pushed towards me, the more I'm like, okay, not now, please. Like, let me find the thing myself. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I was late to owning Reverso. And actually, yeah. through the gatherings, I don't know about you. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of the gatherings I go to, it's actually, you don't actually see a Reverso. That often. Never one. Never. Yeah. yeah. It's actually really rare. And, and even if you go to um, secondhand watch stores, mm-hmm. it's not a piece you always see either. Yeah. yeah. Well, it made me think like, do people buy these and they keep hold of them? And then, because you always used to see a fuck ton of hublots and a fuck ton of panorais, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We usually laugh, call them the cemetery for them. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like the morgue, isn't it? Like yeah. you just see yeah. one after another. And then I saw a reverso. Um, and then uh, definitely, I have to give this to Angus. I saw him wearing one, right? And the way Angus is and how he's so passionate about it, I thought, okay, I'm going to have a look at this again because he's someone that I resonate one I don't resonate but I look up to and as a role model and I thought he's going to cringe at that but mm-hmm. you know I'm just saying it how it he is funding this podcast after all <laughs> 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 he didn't know that but he is now yeah <laughs> um so I looked back into it and I, I just coincided with another friend of mine that actually bought one yeah mm-hmm. and um I looked at it, he changed the strap on it Mm. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that um, JLC do a good job on the straps. Really? Because, yeah, I, I think, I think the way they dress the Reverso up, yeah, is they so play up to the classic, classic, classic suit guy wearing it, uh, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah, that the majority of us don't dress like that. Not, not to that kind of standard, 
yeah? Because when you think of that, you think, yeah, Reverso kills it. You think maybe Cartier Tank kills it, yeah? Mm -hmm. But, and the Calatrava kills it. Mm -hmm. But you think, oh, if I don't wear that, that often, it's like once a month, then maybe I'll just wear my Rolex. So I think the challenge is how can I dress down the Reverso so that it's actually potentially a watch I could wear every day? And so I saw this guy, he changed the strap and it was a, a taupe color. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that looks so good. Yeah. And then I was like bitten. And then I tried the reversos on. And, and then I realized I got that thing about the sizing of the reverso. Mm -hmm. So before, when I first started collecting, yeah, I, I tried it on and my, my watch um, knowledge wasn't like super good. Mm -hmm. So I was trying like different reversos on and I didn't appreciate the size of reverso and the difference it would feel on the wrist and what you wear. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really easy. And I still see it, you know, when people do come up with a reverso where I know they've gone for a size too big. Yeah. Yeah. And the way the lugs hang over the side mm -hmm. is a really bad look. You are so much better to go for a too small than either go right size or too small. If you're not sure, just go too small because that class comes out. Yeah. You are so, so doing that watch an injustice if you're wearing it too big. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of like complications, see that watch, I appreciate the technical um, expertise that's required to make a movement that is rectangular and fits into a reverso and have all of that function. But to me, the reverso was never about that. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that also confused me as well because you look at it and at the time as well long long actually you know just talking to you about this kind of just reminds me of how my journey has changed mm -hmm. because we were about complications as well like mm -hmm. I, I, you know at least mm -hmm. I was and then I have such an appreciation for simplicity mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, keeping it simple and how difficult it is and maybe that's to do with as you get older, you realize how difficult that is, mm -hmm. you know, to have a simple life mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, when you're younger, you yearn for, a, you know, all the fireworks, mm -hmm. but you're, you just have, an, as you get older, a deep appreciation for the simple things and what they actually mean when you actually go really deep with just the simple things. And it's, it's actually you know, all you need. Mm -hmm. um, so that that was why I finally got into Reverso. And you're a person that has you know, quite a few APs, yeah, um, which is the Royal Oak shape. But the Reverso is one of those watches, right, where I thought about having another one. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I would think about having another one um, because I want to have more variety in my... Um, watch collection actually this is spinning off a little bit but i just feel before i'm going to touch on it later um you know i was exploring and then there was definitely a phase of buying watch for some kind of validation mm -hmm. and then there now changes into a point where i don't care anymore and there's a, just an essence of just wanting to keep things simple, right? And really, really finding that, 
perfect match for me in a watch mm-hmm. you know and i would right now say simplicity discreetness um yeah th- those are those are really high up in my in my list which is why i love like richeppi richeppi mm-hmm. if you ever listen to this please sort me out um you know, roger smith um just just something like that we're going to touch on that later anyway so um anything else you want to add to that or should we go into the next one mm, next one okay um when was the last time someone so wanted to brag about their watch and were struggling to keep their humbleness in check do you I get the question one yeah but i don't think anyone i know okay everyone i know is pretty like um, I mean, you know they're waiting for a watch and then they get it and you're just very happy for them. Okay. Yeah. Is there anyone you know? Well, I mean, yeah, the situation is always like that, right? And then we're happy for those people that actually get their watches, especially now in this current climate of actually acquiring pieces. Yeah. Um, but there is a, well, no names, okay, no names. A certain individual that seems to only contact me when he has a watch coming, right? It's honestly, and he feigns yeah. interest and he talks about, you know, tries to engage conversation. Yeah. But then not for any length of time because he really just wants to tell you he's made a new watch purchase, right? I know who you're talking about. <laughs> right? and he, yeah, and he, and he uh, it's so forced. Yeah. I wish it could happen a little bit more naturally. I definitely know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Right. We're going to move on out of that negativity and go on to more negativity. (laughs) People keep asking you to set up women's community, watch communities. Mm. And I know you've been politely declining, but they keep coming like, and keep coming and keep coming. Can you just put it on record, honestly, why it doesn't interest you? And how do you feel about it when you get asked? Okay, why doesn't it interest me? Because it's not <laughs> it's not my passion to build a woman community, right? And okay, oh, and I thought about this more recently because obviously I felt a lot of guilt after saying no, like by the third time, I was like, what is wrong with you? How can you be such a like um terrible human being and blah 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 i thought all this terrible stuff about myself then i realized okay the reason i i'm somebody that hates to under deliver or i like to to not fulfill promises so if i tell you i'm going to do something i want to execute it to the max so even even when we record podcasts even if i know i can make a certain time but I know I'm going to sound dead and I'm not going to even mentally be there. I would rather not do it. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to do something half-assed and this is, and I know I will do something half-assed for this thing because I don't care about it. That's the main thing. And oh. yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to waste people's time and I don't want anybody trying to get into the hobby to not have a good experience because I had a bad day or just because I just am not passionate about it. And then second up, and the reason I say, I don't think I can do a good job. is not because I think um, I'm trying to be critical of myself, but factually I understand after living here for a while that 
I'm not the kind of because watch collecting is all aspirational, right? A lot of it's fantasy and mental and what you what it makes you feel. Um, so I look at what people want here, like local Hong Kong girls and what they might aspire in life. And um, generally, I don't think we really want a lot of the same things or like we're not aspiring for the same things, uh, material, non-material wise. So if you want someone to connect with you, that's hard already. Um, okay. Yeah. So based could you, on- could you, could you shed some light on how that, how you see- that difference between what you aspire to and let's say i you know i know you, let's just make it clear you're not blanketing all hong kong girls i'm not yeah general your general feeling what's the difference between those aspirations mm, okay let's just say physical looks right yeah i have never been able to connect with anyone that talks about like of staying fair and losing weight and like all these things like I understand logically yes I understand why you want these things but I'm sitting there like actually a bit confused like why does this stuff even matter so even when they talk about clothes and stuff I'm always a bit like out of it my mind is not there so I, it's not a good or bad thing I just think like okay I don't understand where you're coming from so I wouldn't understand your need for a certain type of watch um and then I think anyone can give a presentation if you just force it onto people. But is there a real connection? Is there any kind of passion to help them find um, their dream watch? Not really. So what's the point? And, uh, and the main thing, which I did tell the person who asked me recently, I told the person that you have to think of it from their perspective. They are looking to enjoy the experience as well. And me being someone that can sometimes be a bit cold or intimidating, it's not a nice experience for them. Like nobody wants to walk into a room and then meet another girl that's not the nicest person. Like that's unfair on them as well. So wouldn't you want them to um, walk into a room and hang out with someone that's ready to teach, ready to share, you know? And I just am not that kind of person. Mm. Yeah. You think the, the, do you think the dynamics of a female community would be very different to like how it is with men? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, I think, I'm not sure how men think, right? But I think there's a lot of like competition with men, even yeah. though there's a lot of like genuine like happiness for other people when they get a new piece. But there's also a lot of like strong personalities that need to be alpha, but women are really, really like community based in the sense like they really collectively wish for something for someone else. Like it does no like there's less competition. But uh, it's never that simple because women bond by sharing like feelings and whatever. Right. So it's not as simple as saying, let's have a let's have tea and let's talk about watches because that if eventually will grow into something else like talk about their relationship or something yeah and then it's just uh i'm looking to enjoy this hobby in that sense like i love to learn so i love to meet people who know more than me and i want to learn from them and i get really exhausted when i'm constantly like the one that's like giving information or teaching okay yeah all right i think that was a very comprehensive answer yeah okay <laughs> right but continuing on that theme the next few are about um, events um what's the last event you were in mm. or you went to 
that you were so not feeling and why? <laughs> I went to a friend's event and I, I told you that day because I thought I was going there to um, like I love scent, right? I love smell. And I love the idea, like everywhere you go, this is smell. Um, and then I was under the impression that one, this is, this friend is a watch collector. So I was super excited. One, I hadn't seen him in a while. And then two, I thought he always does good events. And this is a really small thing where it's just me one-on-one -on -one with the scent maker. But it turned out to be one of those um, big events with the KOLs. So obviously I was like, just, I guess, being awkward as usual. And being like, uh, do I need to take a photo? I don't want to take a photo. Like, yeah. But it's just interesting as well. I just told myself, okay, just use this as an experience to like see how people work, like as KOLs, like what they actually need to do because it's a lot of work. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say the most tiresome thing you've ever done at an event was? Or that was really just not inspired? pretend to eat very little wait let me think just uh i have never been forced to like take photos but i have definitely bought something sometimes to support people that i really don't wouldn't use or don't really care about just because i know how much effort they put in but it's not my thing yeah okay and well, I mean, we've touched on something like basically events aren't, are, are events ever that fun? I think it depends on your personality, right? I've had some really good uh, like experiences where, you know, the bunch of people going there. So you're yeah. just having a good time yeah. with like yeah. no pressure. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think the best events are the ones where uh, it's just a very contrived uh, environment when yeah. a whole bunch of you are placed into a room. You don't know anybody. Yeah. yeah, you're only there because of the watches. And you just don't know what to say to anybody, right? Yeah. It's almost like, oh my God, he knows that I'm into watches. But so it's kind of intimate, but then he doesn't know anything else about me. Okay, but you know? I can still live through those because I'm still learning, because I can look at the watch and I can ask yeah. unlimited questions to the sales, right? But the events that kill me are like the ones that I don't have anything to learn from when I'm just sitting there. So there was one event, yeah, where I think um, it went through the PPT, which there wasn't that much to learn from. The second thing was, oh, and there's another thing with the PPT or anything that's presentational based, yeah, is I wish they maybe actually just gave you that on the pen stick, yeah? Oh, okay. because some people like don't want to do it right. I don't, like to retain information, I kind of have to be in the mood to retain information. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to read it in my own time. I might, you know, everybody um, does it at a different pace. I might have questions as I'm reading it. I might want to have a coffee or want to do something while I'm doing it, listening to music or something. I want to pay respect to that information. And when you're forcing me to do it at that time. Yeah, usually you're given food or something as well. I just want to focus on my food, thank you. Yeah, or like, or, you know, talk to this bunch of random people that are sitting in this table with me, you know? Um, 
so that annoys me sometimes well most of the time and then i had to make this kind of like clock thing yeah which was like and i meant clock thing i don't mean actual like parts i'm talking about paper oh okay like sticking it almost like you're in like primary school yeah i thought what is the point of this you know like i have no care for this and it's all social media driven, right? So you're supposed to take it. And then what, what you can be 100% sure of, it will have the logo on there somewhere. Yeah. And so you sit, stand there and you take it and then you're supposed to share it on your social media channels. But I just thought, oh, you know, what am I here for? It's one of those, it's those, it's those events which really I have trouble with. What am I here for? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know? And we all know what we're here for, which is the watches. And you get to drag me through like two hours of this before showing me watches it just makes me resentful you know like just makes me resentful i mean god forbid i have to leave early you know so i put myself through that and now i still don't get to see the watches yeah i think i think anybody that has been through the event circuit yeah you, you definitely know what i'm talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right coming on to the last few questions yeah this question i put in um, which is, do you think collectors actually have deeper lying issues, personal <laughs> issues? Okay, why don't you answer first? <laughs> well, I put this in because I think um, basically, you know, me, you and Jack have our own issues right mm-hmm. um and then when i looked around myself and i saw some of my friends yeah and how they are and i'm talking about fr- friends in more of a, a closer capacity i noticed they have certain quirks and things where i think maybe they have certain childhood issues or certain mm-hmm. traumatic issues where somehow you know collecting is a manifestation of that you know, kind of this question kind of touches on the psychology of collecting. Like, why do we feel the need to collect? Why do we, um, you know, have that thirst for knowledge? I mm-hmm. did touch on it earlier. Like, one, when we collect, okay, there are certain collectors which we know straight up are just straight up hoarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there are collectors that want the next shiny thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are collectors that, you know, they want that next shiny thing, but then they want to tell everybody that they've got that next shiny thing. And kind of as soon as that's done, it's the watch is done. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what do you think? Oh. I mean, I think not not that i know right for a fact but okay let's just assume there is some kind of like underlying issue and then let's just say that people who are like minimalists are very far um like very advanced in their thinking and they're very enlightened right let's make these assumptions um but there's something that i thought about just now when we were talking about moser right if i like as a girl observing guys in this hobby, right? And seeing some people deviate, I mean, seeing some people being attracted to some brands more than others. The one that I always find fascinating is 
how much emphasis people put on whether they know a CEO. But there's two types of people. There's people who's like, okay, I love that I built this relationship with someone. It's such an amazing story and experience, and I hope the younger generation gets to experiences. But there are also people who are like, say, really drawn to Moser because they get to interact directly with Edward, and then they feel, I guess, like a bit very proud, or like they know the AD, you know. And it makes me always think in my head, um, is this like a ego men thing like I definitely will not consider myself friends with the CEO unless I'm like eating dinner with a family (laughs) and it doesn't move me like to buy um it doesn't move me to buy the watch what moves me is if I see the amount of effort they put in and I understand the vision and I believe in the brand they're building that will move me so it makes me think, is this a lot of like feeding egos and making people feel better so they're drawn to certain brands? I, th- I think I, can, I can't talk for anybody else, though. So I'm going to talk for myself, okay? Uh-huh. So nobody can come and shoot me down. But I think it's only until recently that when I, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier about how I'm looking at more different pieces and almost feel at ease a little bit with me and my watch collecting because I I think the hobby itself there is a relationship with it you know and you felt like you mentioned how you kind of fell out falling out of love you're trying to find that excitement Mm -hmm. with it back again initially you know I was it was all about the look and trying to tell somebody I guess and I'm being really crude about it Mm -hmm. that I had made some money Mm -hmm. that I was actually doing all right in life Mm -hmm. you know and that came in many manifestations you know new car uh, you know uh, clothing um, and the watch the reason what drew me uh, is because bespoke menswear even if you buy like Chiffinelli you know you're looking at what 10k USD Mm -hmm. yeah 8k USD something like this Everything in the man's wardrobe, you're looking at the most expensive thing. It could be, it's going to be a watch. So mm-hmm. I almost came to see like the watch as the most defining thing on whether a guy has made it or not. Now I know that's not super healthy. I'm not saying it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying that's how I, when I look back in hindsight, yeah, I don't, you don't recognize it when you're doing it, but mm-hmm. clearly in hindsight is, you know, it's clear. Mm-hmm. And then um that's why you know i got an omega and a rolex two brands that you know 100 percent sure people will know mm-hmm. because they're so mainstream right mm-hmm. um and then it became where you buy these things and the most dumbest thing is not actually knowing why you bought it and you don't want to make that you don't want to admit to yourself that you bought it for that exact reason of showing off Mm -hmm. yeah you want to kind of kid yourself into thinking maybe i bought it because i'm cultured now (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. i i bought this because i know things about this watch i know about the brand and so you start reading about watches and start understanding the movement start understanding the history of history of of these brands and boy oh boy is the watch industry ready to throw that down your throat Mm -hmm. you know the marketing materials all there 
Mm-hmm. And then maybe somewhere in the line, I realized, you know, I don't want to just be seen as a, a someone wealthy, um, not wealthy, but, you know, that was this kind of thing, but also someone that was, yeah, was cultured, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I started reading, 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 and it wasn't really, you know, if anybody could ask me, I would just go on and on and on and about watches, even if they didn't want to listen, maybe, maybe even to show that fact. Then when I met the watch community and watch gathering, yeah, that need for validation, um, yeah, I think went into a different sense of insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm being honest, like, um, no matter what people say, like, I felt uncomfortable in that presence because what you said of that ego factor, that alpha male factor, that is, I always felt that was bubbling under of like a man is almost defined by his success and we have come to kind of mm, like assume that success means a huge bank balance mm-hmm. right and the ability to have high purchasing power mm-hmm. and how more satisfying is it than to show that in a group with watches under the facade of this hobby where actually you know the money is is really there i mean i still try to appreciate the watches and seeing some of these watches that i would never ever have the opportunity to do so without my friends you know I'll, it's something that i, I personally would be mm. eternally grateful for but yeah there was times where you know i thought oh you know i want to get there i want to be able to own these things Right. and then i guess the reason you know writing this question is i don't know about you long long but you saw these people and over an extended period of time acquiring 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 and you never really like always equivalent like to happiness right mm-hmm. and i felt like oh um yeah, it, it, it isn't as important as I once thought, mm-hmm. right? And then I really didn't have a care for all these grail pieces, so to speak, or mm-hmm. needing the validation from other people that these were grail pieces. Perhaps my grail pieces, yeah, I appreciate 15, 18, 24, 99, yeah. But do I really need them? No. Um, but there are some pieces I would love to have. I mean, when we talk about Recep, right, and we talk about Roger Smith, how many people actually even fucking know what they are? Even people like that actually like watches. You have to be kind of really, really, really into it. Mm-hmm. And I would be happy, so happy just to own those things and not have any more, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Unless a piece had extreme sentimental value. Mm. Um, and so now I just feel... Yeah, with my recent purchase, well, not recent now, but I felt like that with the Reverso. Mm. Yeah, and I felt, and recently I've been looking at something I would never have thought, it was, it was the IWC Engineer. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the old original ones, right? Yeah. And how I think, so everybody would miss that, but, you know, they have that whole thing. It's a Gerald Jensen design. Mm. Um, thinker's watch very unassuming but very accomplished details immaculately done which feels so comfortable with that kind of feeling you know mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. so yeah that's the kind of I mean even like Movado my vintage, my vintage Movado right just again that feeling is yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. Come and save me. <laughs> All right. Then, I mean, I, I hear you. I know what you're saying. And I think it leaves a lot of space for people to maybe reflect if they want to. But also, I think the, I think I always think this about like Instagram, like if it wasn't this channel, there isn't a lot of, uh, there aren't a lot of options for guys to express themselves in a way that's like artistic and fun and free. So I've never looked at it as like a bad thing and like watches being like one other way for them to, to express that like so-called like feminine side. Hmm. But I get like, it can be masked in anything that you think. Right. But at least it's somewhat healthy, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Um, last two, mm -hmm. which of the main interview, which is the most awkward sales experience ever in a watch store, which I think, you know, you can answer by yourself because since you keep going on to all these watch stores, you have <laughs> um, experiences. I can't think of like most awkward, but definitely just every single time has been awkward now. Just people look, no one's talking to you and you're just like, do I leave or do I stay? It's just awkward. Don't you think, you know, somebody told us, right? That you have yeah. to keep going in to remind them. that. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's Doesn't why- that, I feel like just totally, that concept, just I'm totally lost on that concept. Um, I'm lost, not about the visiting part. I'm lost about the, the conversation part. Oh, what do you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much you can talk about with people that don't know you or you don't know them, right? Yeah. And then also there are many times I think, is it because I'm just like not graceful or I'm not smooth? I don't know what to say. I'm awkward. But sometimes you're just like, this is too much for one watch. <laughs> like, God. It's, it's really killing it for me. It's also, you know, that it's not just you go meeting someone for a coffee. Yeah. It's someone that is the whole environment is fake. Yeah. Right? He's not being really, really nice to you because he, he wants to, or she's not being really, really nice because she, she wants to, but, you know, he's trying to sell you a watch, right? Yeah. And you're trying to get a watch. Mm. Right. Last question mentioned before why does hublot get so much hate why do you yeah why don't you go first well it's kind of accepted right that hublot gets a lot of hate yeah but it's kind of like never I, honestly if you actually stop stop and think yeah and ask why do they get a lot of hate mm -hmm. it's not actually that easy like 
hang on a minute. Why why is everybody like so quick to hate on Hublot? Um I, I, I could put some reasons. Yeah. But those reasons why somehow don't seem that valid. Like at at the time they might have seemed valid, but now I don't know five years down the line, I think they seem less valid. So manufactured brand. Yeah. Okay. No, no real history. Okay. Yeah. I get that. But the thing is, how many brands are manufactured now? Like I would say a brand that existed that was dead and you buy back and bring it back, that is still a manufactured brand. So right? that's not a valid point. Yeah, but it would have yeah. been at I think at the time, yeah, where all yeah. these brands were pushing heritage and the history and everything, yeah. People didn't have that. Yeah. So it's that's that was a thing which to say, okay. oh, you know, they don't, they don't have the heritage. Okay. Yeah? I think the second thing is the design of the watch, right? And how similar it could be with um, Nautilus and the Royal Oak. Well, mainly the Royal Oak. Yeah. Exposed screws, um, sports watch, probably like more like an offshore, I guess. Yeah. And how, because it was new, it came out with a design that seemed to copy another brand. It's kind of like a watch community is like, ah, you copied another brand, you know. Um, you got no history. You just copied that design a little bit, and now you're selling watches. Um, again, <laughs> I don't think that's valid anymore. No. Because how many brands yeah. like copy each other right now? You know, desperate. Yeah. Just think of how many green watches are out, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think those. Okay, those are, but those are the reasons that you know why people hate Hublot. But if I just asked you, hey, Dan, why don't you own a Hublot? How would you explain yeah. that? Well, I would say, you know, my preconception of Hublot at my, my earlier days, yeah, has influenced how I see it now. Okay. I feel almost like it's tainted. So I feel like, why would I go for something that's tainted? Um, also... Yeah, if I'm being honest, like I do care about a good brand story, like that heritage side, whether it kind of it, the brand died and came back, even though it did come back, it, it there is that kind of side to it. But also, I guess I never really like the watch, you know. Okay. So for me, I never liked the offshore either. Okay. Just putting it out there. Okay. Um, I think it's just not refined. I think it's very clunky. Mm -hmm. um just never really kind of uh yeah got it okay so i so i obviously have my own answer but then i also like google this because i wanted to know what people were saying and then okay so there's many layers to this i just want to put out there i at one point had a big bang and rose gold a 38 or 40 and it was my favorite watch of all time at that time i chose this over many other watches this is the time where you could buy daytonas and i still wore that watch the most and i thought this is the coolest watch everything about it the weight the color and it was like a black dial and rose gold so the the contrast was super high and i just thought whoa this is so cool um okay so why wouldn't I wear it now, right? Simply just because aesthetically, I think it's ugly. Like it's just too big and too crass and like not refined, like you said. 
but this is now, but that is not really like, um, and also because it's a tainted now, right? Like I can't get that out of my head already. But then I read about like, I read about- There's also no incentive to get it out of your head. There is no incentive kind of like, uh, there's enough options that we don't really need to try and open that door. Exactly, yeah. And I was thinking about a lot of brands when I was thinking about this. So I kind of thought about uh, Lululemon has gotten really big. Back then in like 2010 or 2011, I Lululemon wasn't in Asia and I found it when I was in LA and I thought, oh, these tights are so comfortable and I've never seen this brand. So I thought, mm, this is for like really pro yoga people. So let me get a pair, even though I don't do yoga, right? And I thought that was cool because I have found the in thing for yoga like experts. And then fast forward till now, everybody wears Lululemon from morning till night to the park, uh, to work, like everywhere, right? That um, it's lost that charm. So you're like, this is no longer exclusive. It's like, whatever, right? Okay, but anyways, so Hublot was started by this guy called Croco, right? And the definition of Hublot, I'm not sure which language it is, but it means pothole. Like, uh, so it was very similar to not a... Yeah, uh, so it was actually a very, hole. yeah, porthole. Port Sorry, I was like, pothole? No, pothole. Yeah, pot I'm like, Sorry. why would you call Wait. it a pothole in the road? No, 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 it's a, no, 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 it is. A pothole is a hole in the road, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought oh, you were the port, hole in the road. Oh, no, no, sorry, it is the porthole. The, the, the definition is the porthole. So it was very closely linked to paddock and AP, which kind of annoyed people because it came way later, right? So it already had that whole, like, you're copying them kind of thing. But um, to be fair, this founder, Croco, was an avid sailor. So it's not like he kind of, like, pulled it out of his ass. He actually likes sailing, right? Um, And then he thought, yeah, (laughs) I I was like, did I read this correctly? Okay, but the interesting thing was he actually had a very clear vision. He wanted a watch that could go with a dress shirt, but also with like a polo tee. So he actually thought about this, right? And how it would blend into his lifestyle. So then he thought, okay, how can I get this to work? Um, Obviously, he thought about leather straps, this strap, bracelet, blah, blah, blah. And then he thought, okay, leather straps can't touch water. And in the end, he settled on rubber straps. And then Hublot became big from this thing, right? Rubber straps and then precious metal. So all this sounds really good. So I'm still thinking, like, I still don't understand how this brand died. And then, um, then people were saying that, okay, every single edition was a limited edition so you just had so much limited editions that it just lost meaning and then like the idea of being limited was no longer limited so anyways after this I thought about Richard Mill I was like Richard Mill is doing exactly the same thing everything's a limited edition most people that don't like Richard Mill tell you it's aesthetically ugly so in the end, it, it has it makes no sense at all, other than people in the industry get to decide what's cool and what's not. And that's it. Well, how about Frank Muller as well? Do you think they fell in the same trap as well? I'm not sure what happened with them. Like, I'm, I, were they bankrupt at one point? I don't think they were bankrupt. I mean, people can correct us on this, but I mean, they were hot, man, when I was in university. They yeah, were but- so hot, yeah. and then suddenly, boom! Like, it's like nobody wants them anymore. You can't sell them. 
so that's why I think that this is all determined by media, right? Like anything, like when a watch uh, gains enough cult, it's um, basically like it can transcend just the watch community, right? It goes into popular culture. You see a movies, music videos and everything. But these people determine what's cool. And when they decide this is not cool, that's the end of this brand. Is that, do you think, do you think like things are not cool when too many people have it? Things are not cool when uncool people have it. <laughs> not when okay, too many what... people. Yeah. Okay. Because um, when you talk about Lululemon, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because I spent the last week looking at Lululemon because yeah. it's a brand that, um, well, I've been looking at new, just trying to buy new um, sportswear. Yeah. Okay. And I thought Lululemon, yeah, high price range, kind of cool, you know, like not just with the high price, super yeah. thin, yeah, super thin, and I really like super thin, yeah. But then the design seemed to be quite, oh, quite cool as yeah. well, yeah. So I thought, ah, uh, yeah, but then I thought, hang on, I'm using this for like, <laughs> like gym, yeah. I feel a bit numpty spending like this much money on kit, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know what I'll do. I'll use Lululemon to sleep in, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so i like the idea of lululemon like to sleep in but then just couldn't find the right thing um it's interesting i'm talking about this is because you're talking about something that goes mainstream right and for me nike is mainstream like nike is everywhere but super but it's you know so popular still you know everybody still likes it yeah it doesn't mean like a frank muller where people don't like it and nobody buys it anymore people still, but, a lot of people still buy nike the thing, it's it's the uncool people when you see people wearing nike and they are unfit but they are working out they are still cool because they're trying they're trying to work out but what you don't want is a bunch of uh drug dealers wearing hublot <laughs> that's not cool yeah but then those drug dealers will wear nike <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but you, you understand my point, right? It's being associated with super not cool people. I'm telling you, like, I've been watching um, a lot of, like, um, rappers wearing paddock now, and it's slowly killing it for me. There was one time I used to be like, whoa, they're wearing it too. They're wearing the world time, blah, 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 blah. And now it's starting to, like, it's starting to die on me because it's just is that because you're not influenced by these people or you think you're not influenced by these people anymore. You have your own voice and you're very confident and no. assured in your own voice. I'm really sure the in one day, the amount of like media we're, we're exposed to or what you see, there's no way you can shut it out. So I'm just really trying my best, right? Not to, uh, to not be influenced if I can even control it. You are though, aren't you? Because you're I being influenced 100%. not to buy it. Because you, you see it and you see them and you don't want to buy it. So you've already been influenced. Not I, in a positive way, negative way. Um, yeah. And uh, um, related to that point, I just want to say that, you know, just recently I was going on about like Serena Williams has like this epic like deal with AP, right? And then now she's um, going to retire. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue using her or the, whether the contract just ends. Hmm. yeah what was the original point of this what was the point uh hublot like how it's such a hated brand yeah 
Right. Well, that's enough about Hublot. I think nobody really cares anyway. <laughs> nobody right. cares except the people who uh, own one. Yeah. I'll tell you, anybody, anybody that owns one probably isn't going to be listening to our podcast. You don't know. I said probably. Right. We're going to go <laughs> on to quick fire. Right. I just put a few which are random, like non-watch questions here. Um, I've always asked this recently. As you guys have probably, as you probably have noticed long. Yeah. What will you always have in your fridge? Eggs. Always eggs. I have a lot of eggs. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. I have at least like, at least five eggs a day. Yeah, because you don't eat anything else. But I need no, to take the sunny side I, of I take, the, I take the yolk out as well. I only have the white. That's just so in like that's just wrong. Look at your not, face. Yeah, Look I'm your face. You are not you live your life. Yeah, I'm not. It's just sad to live your I life. I'm like, I think I think I've broken like one of the Ten Commandments. Look at your face. You're so distraught. Yeah, I have no respect for people who take out your <laughs> I definitely have eggs. Uh yeah, that's that's it right now. I mean, right now I've been on a diet which has worked really well. So I'm sticking to it. Right. Um, a pastime that you have recently taken to? Uh, nothing new. I mean, I play a lot of tennis now. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. that. This is basically my life now. Just Monday to Saturday is just playing. And where can we find you playing tennis? Can you disclose that? <laughs> yeah, let me just expose myself to a bunch of hoopla haters. <laughs> how, often, how often do you play tennis how often yeah just every day so every day. day if i don't on sundays which is the only day i don't play i run for like i jog for recovery so how, how long are you playing for a day uh an hour or two but it's intense like i look at the i don't think the apple watch is accurate but just from my heartbeat, every time I look down, it's like 170 something. I'm That's really, so high. Uh, it's to the point that I actually feel like I'm going to faint. And I'm drinking like bottles of Pocari sweat. Like, uh, it's, and I eat an actual meal instead of a snack before I play. It's, it's just insane. You are playing in what? 34 degree heat now in Hong Kong? No, 20 something. But it's actually, uh, it's like definitely the most intense sport I think I've done. And when I used to watch people on TV, I'm like, yeah, right. You don't need to make that much noise. <laughs> like, <laughs> now I'm just like, Oh, I get it. It's actually like every single bit of energy is used up. Like I cannot move at all. I just feel like I'm going to have a fever and just like pass out immediately after. Okay. Yeah. How many sets do you play? I don't, I don't, I'm just playing like nonstop, uh, just, just hitting nonstop. Rallying, just rallying. Yeah. And then if on the days that I play with a coach, it's like a specific uh, drill, a specific thing. Because I haven't told a lot of people, but I just want to do something that I find scary. Right. And I just want to enter a competition just to really scare myself. So at least there's some kind of like thing I'm moving towards. Yeah. And, and I've only played with guys now and one girl. Um, but mainly guys. So I want to, I want to only find out how, how really, how good I am or how bad I am on the day. Like when I go to the competition to be like, oh. the competition? because the competition? 
Uh, it's early next year. Because this is the thing, like you, you can't really see on TV. I realize when you watch on TV, the angle that they shoot at, it looks like the ball is okay, the speed. But obviously, you can see on the screen, it's like a hundred something miles, and then yeah, you, you yeah. know, in real life, it's gonna be crazy. But when I actually see, like, I found a Serbian coach, right? And then it's like I, when I ask him, just, just like. You just show me, like, if you hit your maximum speed, I just want to see how fast it's going. I can understand, like, okay, like men and women are just different, like the the speed of the ball. And I want to be able to, when I play with a woman, to be like, oh, like, oh, it's easy. So I just want to get used to this is the normal speed, and then see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Because, uh, you've you've watched the tennis game live, have you, or not? No, that's why. Oh, I have. I, yeah. I watched the one at Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, I watched. I watched um, Djokovic actually. Yeah. Against, uh, I think Del Potro. Mm-hmm. Like it is, and I was like right in the middle. Mm. Yeah, in center court, and I remember, dude, that speed because you obviously as a viewer you're watching and your head's going left, right, left, right. Yeah. 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 But obviously, that the, the guy has to the the, the players. Yeah, they're also looking at the ball as well. Yeah. But what you found is when your eye and you're following the ball across the court, the guy's already in position to return it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. That's what I'm. That's crazy, about. isn't it? It's so the, not only is his yeah. head moving to catch follow the ball, but his body at the same. Speed. It's already there. Like he's already by the time the guy's returning it. Yeah. He's already knowing where he's, he must be starting to run, you know, like, but that's the, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I, I, when I first started, I thought, oh, I love running and I can, I know I can run fast. So I'm like, whatever, this is easy for me. But now I understand, okay, that footwork is just different because your body's not used to using those angles and moving your feet like that at that speed. And then my feet, like, if you look at my feet, there's like blisters constantly. It's like, ugly like blisters <laughs> okay so yeah all right so uh yeah keep your toes covered next time please That's yeah i question. will <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you still doing pedicures then yeah i i still do it and then the people are like what what happened <laughs> right okay a pastime that i've recently taken up to is i, I mentioned like bespoke menswear so i'm not going to say that yeah is actually fragrances oh yeah you said yeah yeah so i'm just getting into it like i'm not talking about well i'm more talking about boutique fragrances because mm-hmm. that's just so me like don't want to go for the mass but um yeah i'm really enjoying it well yeah i'm really yeah. What, what 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 makes me enjoy it is I think a person's scent, yeah, is yeah. such a powerful weapon in the way that when you meet somebody, you can leave a lasting impression, right? Obviously, we all know first impressions count. Mm-hmm. And when you wear something, that's the first impression. And we focus on that, the the look. Mm-hmm. But the other scent that is the scent where it's almost like, 
just a secret weapon where the person can smell you and kind of knows kind of oh i can smell they kind of register that you might smell nice or whatever but they don't have the full impact of oh wow you know i think it all adds together but you don't actually know the potency of the of like the fragrance will have on on the person's memory of you or what they think of you Mm. so i i definitely think it's a it's just an undervalued tool Mm. of differentiating yourself and i love the different um types of fragrances and trying to work out like which one could be you know the one for me and really fits your they're just like a watch Mm. right how it fits your 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 personality Mm. kind of like feel bad actually announcing it because like i don't want everybody to get into it and it's kind of yeah i'm really really enjoying it and it's like really special to me okay Um, so and there's all that learning about different brands and the history of the brands and what they're famous for so and it's a much more affordable price point than watches um there is a downside though which is well you can't smell it can you before you buy it unless you go to stores and a lot of these fragrances you can't they're not in stores yeah yeah and so therefore you're relying on samples yeah which there's just a lot of hit and miss you know you could buy something you don't like it and even if it's a sample you spent money on it yeah Yeah, so that that's probably the the downside of it yeah but you like before i was like one of these people that i've like two three fragrances and i'll just rotate but now i'm like nah like it's not enough i need more and (laughs) i've got to the point where i'm spraying constantly i'm not like overpowering them but like okay so no i'm just going deep into this but yeah so some fragrance have a like a strong what they call sillage yeah which is it, it lasts longer in the room yeah. after the person's left right yeah and then some like have like a, like that trail yeah as well and then some don't last very long yeah yeah so they might be like four hours eight hours yeah. performance and some mix with your sweat differently i mean to be honest the yeah. fragrance mixes with everybody differently yeah but um yeah, really, really powerful. And, and also how it can ignite certain memories. You know, you smell something and yeah. you can ignite a certain memory. And it's just very, very, very underappreciated, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really kind of getting into that. Yeah. Okay. And another thing that I think I want to get into, again, <laughs> I think of this and I think that is so useless, like in nowadays, is I want to get into writing not writing as in writing a story calligraphy yeah 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 because the amount of like concentration and discipline needed for that yeah like that focus yeah i I think just just getting into that um and it's a thing that you do yourself yeah uh so practicing handwriting Mm -hmm. um i really want to try and do some really good yeah cursive writing Mm -hmm. so i'm looking into that right now so yeah, kind of, but you know, who, who writes now, you know? Yeah. But I still think, yeah, maybe there's something in, you know, how we see analog watches, something in being able to put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, me and you journal, right? So we already know the value of that. Yeah. And it's very different to typing words on the computer. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Right. So next one. The latest book you are reading. Oh, mine's here actually. 
Archie Comics. What? <laughs> what are you reading? I'm reading um, a cigar book. It's called I Highly Recommend It. Like, I cannot emphasize enough. Like, if you smoke cigars, you should just read this. You okay, need to I'm gonna read it. Okay. It, and it's, it, teach it teaches you so much. And it's such a good read. Like the way it's written, you can almost feel like the guy is just talking to you and smoking a cigar with you. And it's called The Ultimate Cigar Book. It's filled with pictures. It's, uh, this is the fourth edition I'm reading. Uh, he, he updates it. Obviously, it's still a little bit outdated. But everything you need to know is in there. And it can just teach you so much to the point that you're just like, like my whole cigar smoking experience now, it's completely different. And I started to, because I started to buy boxes of cigars and I was always like, what am I looking for? I had no idea what I was looking for. So this just made it a lot more like enjoyable, I think for me. Anyways, I really, like it It looks outdated as well. So I had to get it from Amazon, I think, or book depository or something, but it's really, really good. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, thanks for that. Oh, that's a great recommendation. I am going yeah. to check that out. Yeah. So the book I'm reading here, which I've literally just started, I think people might have heard of this. It's called A Little Life by Hanya Yana Gihara. Okay. Right. It's uh, so you might think it's a Japanese. Well, I think she is Japanese, but she's like, you know, from America. So it's got nothing Japanese about it. Yeah. And it's about four friends um, and their relationship. But supposedly it's a real sad book. It's about love between friendships, but a bit of apparently it's one of the saddest books. I I don't actually know why I'm reading it, but (laughs) it just sounds like. Yeah, really just depressing, how, yeah, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> yeah, it addresses it addresses like things like suicide and and uh, self mutilation and um, childhood trauma and um, yeah, abuse that kind of stuff. Such <laughs> <laughs> sounds a depressing yeah. book, right? Yeah. But, well, I am gonna let you guys know. It's quite a big book. Uh, how many pages? Really big. Yeah. 720 pages. But I'll let you guys know how that goes. But yeah, we'll see how that is. I read the book recently. I can't remember the title of it, though. Um, it's on my Kindle, but I can't be bothered to get it right now. Mm. Right. Number four. Oh, the biggest flaw that you think you need to work on. Long, long. There's mm, a lot, but I guess top of my head I think uh I think I have issues with like controlling my emotions I'm very emotional yeah yeah people that I've met you probably wouldn't even know that yeah you're so put together no but also because I don't waste my energy on people I don't care about (laughs) so it's actually just dead inside like it's not that I have no emotions. It's just that I'm I'm already aware, like we are never going to connect. So I'll just give you the minimal that I can give. Yeah. Hmm. What about you? The biggest flaw that I need to work on. Yeah, I think there's quite a few as well. 
I think it's interesting, right? Because I've always said like a person's a, a person's strengths can also be their biggest flaw mm-hmm. because it it's an imbalance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and at certain points, it can be your strength, but then it's your weakness. And I think um, I don't know my relationships with people. I don't know why that comes to my mind right now. You know, I couldn't really explain, but managing certain relationships mm-hmm. i think i could do better mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people will say oh daniel you know you're so good with people anyway yeah i think for the other person it's good but it's not always good for me mm-hmm. right and i can't always um yeah manage it i just can't always control it like there's times where i get well i'm not actually anywhere near emotionally involved Mm, mm, mm. as the other person and that's damaging for the other person and quite frankly just tedious for me Mm -hmm. and then there are situations where I'm too emotionally involved and you know that's a detriment to me and that person so yeah, I think managing relationships. I mean, I think work-wise, it's fine. I'm talking about personal ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's different. And then, yeah, I think a constant work is just my, um, I don't know, confidence. Yeah, everyone has to work on that for sure. I think I think a lot of people, again, would be surprised, but I'm, I'm not talking about, most things you throw at me i can handle i'm talking like some really really deep confidence mm-hmm. you're aware there is no like blip at all we all have issues with it yeah i guess mm-hmm. right number five what does i just want to say right people probably listen to this episode yeah realize that i'm or certainly me yeah we're like i'm not definitely normal here but anyway um Oh, okay, yeah. What does the other person think is your biggest strength? So what do you think is my biggest strength? What do I think is your biggest strength? I think um, I think the ability to put yourself in that person's shoes. And so you pause and you think before you answer, why did this person react like this? Because I think what most people and where there's conflict with people and communication, right, is that you don't, you, you, you think you do, but nobody really stops to think, hold on a second. Why did this person react this way? Why did this person say this? And then before they answer. And, uh, and it's not about going through the motion of saying like, um, hey, are you like, cause I think like, a, I, I would say a very classic example, right? Between men and women is, say a guy does care, but he doesn't really put themselves in the girl's shoes. The first reaction is, hey, are you having a bad day? And the girl could be like, no, not at all. But it's like really putting yourself in that person's shoes and think what's going on in this person's life at this moment for her to react a certain way. So I think uh, just having patience, pause, think before you speak okay yeah thank you i would say for you 
um, you kind of mentioned it before, mm. right? Is your longevity like your commitment to something, mm. right? So you, I know sometimes you behave like as things are a joke and stuff, right? And you you might downplay everything, yeah. But yeah. I, I think it's more of a the way you interact and almost in a coping mechanism to mm-hmm. try and not make it as important but actually it is always important to you yeah and I think when you put a word to it like when you say you're going to do something yeah your stickability to it and your ability to not want to give up even yeah even right when it's to your detriment <laughs> like the amount of times I've visited Rolex <laughs> yeah yeah even it's to your detriment yeah you will not be willing to give it up yeah so I think, um, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's really, really strong. Mm. Mm. Right. And number six, one question that we get to ask each other, okay, that we've always wanted to ask, but never had the chance or opportunity. And before, I, you know, we talked about this before the podcast, right? You said we'd do it like live, so it's completely organic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I swear you're gonna have to edit it because I need thinking time. Really? I can just ask. Because there's so many things as friends that you forget to ask. Okay, go on. Okay. Then. For example, do you uh, ever regret having kids? Do you actually like <laughs> kids? Yeah, you see, because most people just make the assumption you must love having kids. But it's like not everyone likes having kids. And then some people only grow to love having kids after they've had kids. So is that, is that your question? Yeah. I mean, you can ask more, but I'll answer that. I mean, yeah. I need time. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. So yeah. you don't regret having kids. Okay. Nope. Not one bit. Yeah. Like, um, I think it sounds such a cop out, right? But kids are like, they bring so much to your life. They bring so much happiness that I don't think you can get anywhere else. There are times in life where having kids is almost about life, isn't it? Because you're bringing a life in and, and you, you really get a chance to, to mold life. And let's say we always talk about a ch- child's innocence and how innocent they are. You really get to see that firsthand, how it is. And again, I go back to sometimes in your deepest moments like you see them sleeping for example there is a serenity to Mm -hmm. observing that that i'm not sure you can find in the most beautiful landscape and again there is an appreciation of how simple things are and they make them so happy Mm -hmm. and how somehow as we grew older we kind of forgot how those simple things actually make us happy. Yeah. Um, There is an immense power within children to get you through things that you didn't even think you had the strength for. Mm. You know, there's always that ability to find extra strength when you're doing something for somebody else, Mm. right? Because you care about somebody else. But when it's your own child, it's almost like that power is immeasurable. Mm -hmm. Like you, 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 you would like take bullets you would run through brick walls for for just the simplest thing for your child Mm -hmm. um 
so so yeah i mean i'm not saying it's easy <laughs> right like oh my god they could drive you up the wall as well um what i'm looking forward to as well is obviously at the beginning and you know, if anybody's like had children you know the beginning is like really really tough because they're just totally dependent on you yeah the interaction with the kid is very very different they can't express anything when that expression that ability to express themselves and you see them developing their thoughts and you know it also helps you as an adult grounds you mm-hmm. and i'm looking forward to when they um get older from being a child to more of a an adult phase and becoming like more of a friend mm-hmm. you know? Mm. and a supportive nature I'm really looking forward to, to that mm. um so so yeah that's my answer for that hit me hit me with what i can't think of one <laughs> yeah it kind of shows how much i do know you uh it's funny because everything i think of yeah it seems to be of a sexual nature God. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry okay when do you think you'll leave Hong Kong? Um, maybe second half or first, second half of next year. Second half of next year. So yeah. Okay. Or at least uh, after June next year, I think. Okay. Yeah. And what? Yeah. And where will you go? And where, what, what will you do? I mean, is it still consistent to what you told me, or is it different? Probably Singapore. So it's not defined yet. It's not defined, but uh, maybe probably Singapore. High chance it just being Singapore. Yeah. What and what do you, what 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 are you looking for? Your next. Mm, I think a different environment. I don't think there's anything but like this for some people very specifically. There's reasons why they have to leave, right? Yeah. There's nothing so specific for me that I actually find that bad. Like the way that people talk about like the economy dying and all this, it's not like I have a retail shop or like my business is dying or whatever. So it's not that bad for me, but just the, I don't want to be in an environment where people, the energy is dead. Like people are miserable and the negative all the time. And then your only source of happiness is spending money and like, um, tr- like putting in so much effort to find positivity where you see this a lot in other countries where it's just natural. You don't wake up with like stress. Are so you, I, yeah. is that how you're describing Hong Kong? Is how you would describe mm-hmm. Hong Kong? Yeah, I think a lot of the people are stressed out. Stressed, negative, just not nice. So I just uh, I think it might be healthier to be in a different environment. Okay. What made you kind of realize it wasn't normal for all those people that um i think you know i've told you I, i'm not a big fan of hong kong lifestyle right because i went back to singapore that? right and then just everyone's happy that's it you're only four hours away and it's drastically different it's not like the people i know in singapore and the ones i know in hong kong are very different it's the same uh like if you're talking about like income bracket it's the same so it's not like very different types of people but one is like just generally that happy there because there's no stress about housing about jobs about anything you know like 
when I first met you, you said the justification for coming to Hong Kong was to also like push yourself, to challenge yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you think you uh, achieved that? And do you think that it was worth it? Because it seems like, no, well, it isn't, but, but I mean, so. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'll finish it there anyway. Right. Well, well, I think that's the end of this podcast. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get back to the interview process, um, interviewing people on the show. Um, I hope it got you guys through the summer. Like always, if you've got anything to say to us, message us. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to The Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.